this is my um, my friend Roger Nix, and um, he is uh, he's he's a pastor of pastors. He has loved us so well and loved so many well. He has transitioned a church he's pastored for well over a decade in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And um, he's a wandering father now, serving pastors and leaders and bringing health to them. And when we thought about this moment, Advent love, I thought about Roger because he embodies that. And I thought about a man who has been an elder and loved well elders. And so let me pray for you, Roger. We're going to receive the word from you today. And um, yeah, we thank you, Father, for Advent, a coming into view and the expectation of a new beginning. And we pray not just this moment, but through these days, give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Show us the love of God incarnate. Even now in this moment, show us love. Thank you for Roger Nix, who has showed me many times the way of love. We welcome him in our midst to be free. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, everyone. I feel like we should, let's just stand real quick. I feel like we need to stand, but in our standing, can we honor Jesus today for the way he is leading this church? Come on, can we do that? Thank you, Jesus, for what we have just witnessed. Come on, Lord, you are beautiful in all your ways, in all you do. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Yay, you may be seated. God is so good. <laughs> Adam, Adam preached my sermon in two minutes earlier, uh, which was both, I thought, prophetic and and depressing all at the same time. So he did it beautifully, as he always does. I just want to say, guys, uh, it is a joy and honor to be up here with you. I know many of you who have been around for a long time and uh, heard your names and prayed for you and uh, been a joy to serve. I love this church. This church is uh, near and dear to my heart more than any other church except my, my own homegrown church. And, Tulsa Believers Church, and we send you our love and our greetings. We consider you guys our younger sister. As, uh, as Gal said, we, we love you guys because you're crazy and you'll try anything. And, and before we ever do anything, we just say, let's see what Nava does. Let's just see how that works. And uh, so you guys are brave and courageous and awesome. I love uh, Adam and Julie and Dave and Molly. Katie, Jason, Graham, Marie, um, you guys, you have no idea how you have blessed our community. Um, we've had LTS many times in our community. We've had Adam to come speak and, and just uh, Cutter. I mean, we've, you guys have just been such a blessing to share. And I love that Adam and Julie and this team, have what they've carried in the previous years have now discerned that that this group of elders are to be commissioned and called up to serve and steward the culture, uh, to establish you in the gospel, to help expand the kingdom in this city and around the nations. And I'm excited for you guys. 
I'm honestly excited for you guys for, for a lot of reasons. And, and my, my charge to you as a community and an elders, as elders, new elders, uh, is Hebrews 13.7. It says, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And I want to say to you as a community, Nava, remember your leaders. Pastoring and eldering is hard work. I mean, I did it for almost 19 years as a lead pastor, and it's just hard work. It's hard. As, as, uh, as one person said, especially the last few years, you know, pastors have never worked harder and never had more people mad at them than they have in the last two years. Okay, and if you're a pastor, you, you appreciate that. Um, but consider, remember your leaders, pray for them, care for them, love them, encourage them, consider the fruit or the outcome of their way of life. And elders, give this community a way of life that is worth imitating, right? Authentic and vulnerable and Jesus-centered, which is why you're already here. And so as you're entering a new season as, uh, as a community, I just want to say I'm excited uh, because of what I've experienced and I have witnessed in my own community. I know the power of praying elders in my community. I have seen God do miracles through praying elders. You guys are, are called to Call upon the elders when you're sick, when you need encouragement, when, when you've exhausted all your own prayers, man. Call these guys together. I promise you, you're going to see God do signs and wonders, not because of who they are, but just because this is how God has ordered his family. And so pray, praying elders. <laughs> I've seen, I know the power of discerning elders, man, who have helped us walk through some of our most difficult and challenging decisions as a discerning community. I know the power of loving elders who have walked with our people in some of their darkest times, their most difficult seasons of life, and would not have made it if it weren't for the body of Christ and the elders caring and loving and praying over those people. In the poem uh, Redwoods and Daisies by Jason Upton. He says, elders are people who hold law and grace in their hands. And I think that's a beautiful description of what these elders are tasked with, right? To hold law and grace, justice and mercy, truth and love, word and spirit. You live in all these tensions and so much more. So learn how to live in the mystery and the paradox of of kingdom family, and you guys will be part of a long line of churches and elders who have stewarded the mysteries of God together and, and watched the body of Christ expand through the earth. Amen? So I just want to say, go for it. <laughs> I, I, I don't know who it was. Tim or Dave said, let's have fun. I was like, yes, I love that. Let's have some fun, right? You want to have some, some kingdom mischief and fun? So um, as you've been commissioned, elders, I just want to say we believe it's by the Lord. And, 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 and there is an important question that will arise for, for all of you as it has arose for Jesus and his disciples. 
brought to him by the people, brought to him by religious, other religious leaders, and it's simply this. By what authority are you doing these things, right? Where does your authority come from? Now, today, you've been commissioned, you've been given positional authority, and that's right and good, and some of your authority comes from that position. Uh, you already have some relational authority, or you wouldn't have... Uh, you wouldn't have been selected here, you know, and, and the people that you love and care for. But I want to just say to you, your highest authority comes from the love of God that is poured out in your hearts by the Holy Spirit. Love is our highest authority. And if you will minister out of that authority, live out of that authority, then God will honor and walk with you. Live into the love of God because love never fails, right? So as we are in this Advent season and um, the work of Advent is to prepare our hearts to receive the love of God that has come to the earth through Jesus Christ, amen? I saw this definition of um, Advent and I thought it was pretty cool. It's the, the arrival of a notable person, event, or thing. And I thought, wow, this is perfect for today, right? We've had this beautiful arrival of something notable. These elders being installed today, right? These are notable people, a notable event that God has highlighted to help love this community well, to help you be a more loving and caring church, not only to one another, but to this city. And so as part of the Christmas story, you guys, the, the advent of love, the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, Savior, Prince of Peace, love comes to us, right? That's how it works. Jesus Christ is manifested love, which means that power, the power of God is wrapped up in his love. So if we have a, a power deficit, it's usually because we have a love deficit, Right? The power dynamics of the kingdom are flipped upside down. They work entirely differently, radically differently than the world works. Because Christian faith is simply believing that at the center of the universe is a being overflowing with love for this world. And that at the heart of every human is this deep desire to love and be loved. Which means that the purpose of our very existence, you guys, is to receive this love which has come to us in Jesus Christ and to give that love back out into the world, creating this ecosystem of others-focused, self-giving love. This is what Jesus came to do. Cruciform love, cross-shaped love. A love that is stronger than death. Aren't you glad? <laughs> That's the gospel. And so we look to the teachings of Jesus and the story of his life as we celebrate this Christmas to help redefine for us the very concept of love. Because our culture keeps trying to tell us that love is something other than what it really is that we see demonstrated in the scriptures. And Jesus simply summed it up when 
He said, the fulfillment of the law and the prophets is this, just love God and love your neighbor as yourself. The two are, are one in the same. The way Jesus presented his teachings, you cannot separate the two. You can't do one and not the other. Because for, for, the, for Jesus, love was not just a feeling, but actively seeking the well-being of someone other than yourself without expecting anything in return. The unconditional love of God required unconditional liability on his part. He took it all. <laughs> and then he takes it even further to say that authentic, genuine love is how you treat the people even the people that you cannot stand, your enemies, right? And that's a really good word as we enter into the holiday season and you go be with your families, <laughs> right? Some of you have very temperamental families. They're half temper and they're half mental, right? <laughs> Come on. Some of your family trees have produced an enormous amount of nuts, all right? That's all I'm saying. So, but here's the reality, guys. We still wouldn't be, we would not be talking about Jesus today if he only said things like, love your enemy, right? But this is how he lived. He lived love. And this is how he died. Romans 5.8 says, but God proves his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. <laughs> and so love comes, and it keeps coming, and it keeps coming. And with the advent of love, something happens to us. Something amazing and beautiful and wonderful happens. Joy to the world, we sing about the wonders of his love. Let me tell you three of the wonders of his love this morning, this afternoon. <laughs> right? First, the advent of the love of God reveals what is actually real. It reveals reality to us. God's love allows us to experience life and see reality as it was meant to be as it was intended to be experienced. Love makes us real. Love makes life real. Love strips away all the false illusions about life and about who we really are. The best description I can think of as to how this happens, and you're probably familiar with this, is a, a nursery room conversation in the classic children's book, The Velveteen Rabbit, right? You remember the Velveteen Rabbit's mentor is a skin rocking horse, and this is the conversation they have because the Velveteen Rabbit wants to know if he's real or not. And so the skin horse says, real isn't how you're made, it's a thing that happens to you. When a child loves you for a long, long time, not just to play with, but really loves you, then you become real. Does it hurt, asked the rabbit. Sometimes, said the skin horse, but for he was always truthful. When you are real, 
You don't mind being hurt. Does it happen all at once, like being wound up, he asked, or bit by bit? It doesn't happen all at once, said the skin horse. You become. It takes a long time. That's why it doesn't happen often to people who break easily or have sharp edges or who have to be carefully kept. Because generally, by the time you're real, most of your hair has been loved off and your eyes drop out and you get loose in the joints and very shabby. <laughs> but these things don't matter at all because once you are real, you can't be ugly except to people who don't understand. Woo! That, that's the gospel, man. <laughs> Love reveals reality. It reveals what's real and what's most important in life. Paul said it in 1 Corinthians 13, the greatest thing in life is love. I came across this, uh, this quote by Dostoevsky in Brothers Karamazov. He says, what is hell? I maintain that it is the suffering of being unable to love. Ooh. That's a workable definition of hell, isn't it? Unable to love, unable to receive love, give love. Second, the advent of love not only reveals what's real, but it reveals, I believe, who we really are. Because in order for our knowing of God's love to be truly transformational, it must become the very basis of your identity. Our identity, who we experience ourselves to be, your true self, who, who the eternal, God's eternal idea of who you are, that he imagined before you were formed in your mother's womb. And so an identity grounded in God's love would mean that when we think of who we are, the first thing that would come to our mind is our status as someone who is deeply loved by God. Is that the first thing you think of when you think of who you are? I hope so. It's a process, isn't it? Don't always get there, but that's reality. Someone once said, true success is I'm loved, therefore I'm a lover. Because you will either be formed by love or you will be deformed by the lack of it in your life. My special needs son, I have a 23-year-old special needs son named Anthony. I wish you could all meet him. He is an unforgettable character and um, he's never met a stranger. And he's taught me more about unconditional love than anyone else on the planet. But when he was young, he used to say, Dad, I love you and I recognize you. <laughs> Which was kind of odd, but I never understood it why he said that, but I, it's kind of true, right? When we are loved, we become recognizable to ourselves and to others. We know who we really are most when we are loved. And when we know what's real and we know who we really are, then we become fully alive human beings in God. We become awake and aware of, of how the, the universe really works and functions and what life is all about. And we become 
people who are possessed by this love and possesses us to the point that it affects us in weird, wild, and crazy ways. We do strange things, right? We give away our coats and our food and our money and we, we, we serve people and we bless people and we go to faraway crazy places on the planet just so that people who have never heard of the love of God can do so and know him. Which is why the third thing that happens with the advent of God's love is it just, it gives us hope that we can actually see the transformation of the world, right? I mean, if there's anything that I've learned in ministry, is, it's this, that where there is love, there's always hope. And in the absence of love, rarely is there hope. And I love God because in his wisdom, he's decided not to run over us just to get what he wants. But what he wants will be won by love and love alone. He conquers, he liberates, he redeems through love. And the collective trauma of humanity is that our brokenness and our sin has alienated us from God. It's alienated us from ourselves. It's alienated us from one another and from the creation that we're a part of, right? This existential ache of separation or disintegration, this disconnection is the source of all of our woundedness and our pain. Our friend Aaron White recently wrote a book on recovery. He works up in, in downtown Eastside Vancouver, one of the, the most... Um, uh, highest uh, ratio of drug users and sex workers in all of North America. And he says, you know, that the source of addiction, of all addiction, is, is, is that we've become disconnected from community. We're disintegrated. Right? It's the source of so many attempts and efforts to find our way back home, whether it's noble efforts like religion and psychology and medicine or our own destructive attempts to numb our pain. You know, and we all know we can't fix ourselves, right? We try. Which is why the, the love of God is our only hope. Because the path to transformation is always this. Life's great suffering and God's great love. There's no other way. And I don't want to go through life's great suffering without God's great love. Do you? No way. Can't do it. Won't make it. Only perfect love can perfect. Only perfect love can cast out fears. As Paul said in Colossians 3.14, over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Right? Because only love can reunite us to God, reunite us to our true self, reunite us to one another in, in relationship, and reunite us to this beautiful creation that he's made. So I want to just charge you today, you know, um, in this beautiful atmosphere of family and, and, and commissioning of elders today, um, I want to just close by reading this appropriate passage out of 
1 Corinthians 13 in the, in the Passion. And, and then um, I want to just pray for you, and then we'll, we'll close. Love never stops loving. It extends beyond the gift of prophecy, which eventually fades away. It is more enduring than tongues, which will one day fall silent. Love remains long after words of knowledge are forgotten. Our present knowledge and our prophecies are but partial. But when love's perfection arrives, the partial will fade away. When I was a child, I spoke about childish matters, for I saw things like a child and reasoned like a child. But the day came when I matured and I set aside my childish ways. For now we see but a faint reflection of riddles and mysteries as though reflected in a mirror. But one day we will see face to face. My understanding is incomplete now, but one day I will understand everything just as everything about me has been fully understood. And until then, there are three things that remain, faith, hope, and love. Yet love surpasses them all. So above all else, let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. I love many things about this church, but I also love your name, Nava. And I just want to say what's going to bring people home and, and make you beautiful is this, the love of God, the steadfast, eternal love of God that never changes. His love is unchanging. He loves you with all of his heart. He won't love you any better when you become better. You realize that? And he won't love you any less if you never become better. He loves because he loves because he loves because that is who he is. But what his love will never change. But what will change is your ability. What must change is your ability and capacity to receive his love in your life. To let the lies and the shame and the pain melt away in the presence of God's love. And I believe that's the invitation this morning. He just wants to give you more of that ability and capacity because you can't give what you have not received. So Father, this morning is, I believe, saying to you, open your heart to me, open your heart to me more. Give me more, give me more. He says, I dare you, I dare you, give me more of your heart. His love comes. His love comes this afternoon to set you free from yourself, to set you free from how you see yourself, to set you free from the smallness of your own thinking about yourself, to set you free from rejection from shame, from low self-esteem, from despair and abuse. Because when he looks at you, he sees something that he loves. So, beloved, be loved. Be loved. Be loved. So, Lord, let's just sit in this 
moment for just a second and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And in the, to the invitation to just invite you into the depths of his love in a greater way this morning. What does that look like for you? Whatever you're hearing from the Lord, whatever invitation from the Lord, the first step always begins with surrender, right? So I want to just, I want to lead us in a little breath prayer. We'll, we'll, we'll close in the Lord's prayer, but this is my breath prayer that I pray quite often. And let's just, just repeat it after me. Loving Father, beloved Son, Breath of love, take all of me, I'm yours. Lord, this morning, we, this afternoon, we ask for larger hearts. We ask for wider reach, for, for more daring spirits, more generous intentions, and more inclusive communities. I pray... 2 Thessalonians 3.5, may the Lord move your hearts into a greater understanding of his love for you and into Christ's steadfast endurance. Yeah. So can we stand? Let's grab hands. Adam, do you want to lead us?